Welcome to the Love First Podcast, where we are committed to biblical teaching and sharing the principles and the promises of living out our faith according to what Jesus says are the two greatest commandments, loving God with our whole being and loving others as ourselves. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to help build your faith and deepen your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. Before you listen to this podcast, I should let you know that there is so much in it that I had to divide it into two parts. So you are about to listen to part one of the final message in the Only Thing That Really Counts series. This is the last week in our The Only Thing That Really Counts series. And as I promised last time, this one is going to be a bit different. Although at first glance, it might not appear to be based on Galatians 5-6, you know, that theme verse that we've been talking about in this series. But I trust that by the end of it, you will be able to make that connection. Well, I pray that today, as in a very unique way, I bear my soul to you, that you will see the deeper message of what it means when Galatians 5-6 says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever had one simple verse from the Bible grip you so hard that it seemed it was going to choke the very life out of you? Well, a few months ago, one verse, a verse that I had basically known all my life and thought I understood it, it grabbed my heart. And for over three hours one night, that verse totally wrecked my life. And that was just the start. You see, it started like this when a good friend of mine, whom I trust and love, sent me this text. This just occurred to me, and I think you need to take it seriously. Love your neighbor as yourself. I will not say more right now. You must understand it fully. Oh, come on. Obviously, you have something in mind. Just tell me already. But you know, I was going to soon find out that my friend knew that I had to go through this alone. So I promised my friend that I would indeed take it seriously and spend time seeking the Father's heart on what message I needed to hear. Now, quite honestly, I thought I would spend maybe 15 minutes praying about it, meditating on this verse. I wasn't going to take it lightly. I had promised my friend that I was going to take it seriously, and I was. But I really thought 15 minutes of quality time with God on this verse was going to be more than enough. But I was wrong. Oh boy, was I wrong. From the moment that I sat down at my laptop ready to write down what God was going to say. Could you see that's how I best hear from God? I sit down at my laptop and I begin to pray and then start typing, almost stream of consciousness style, that whatever it is that I feel God is saying to me at that time. But from that moment, non-stop, for over three hours, I listened to what God was saying to me. So there I was, just me, just God, just my laptop. And from the moment I said the words in my mind that I always say each time I sit down for my time alone with God, 
And I said, okay, Father, what do you want to show me today? From that moment, immediately, he began to open up my heart and peel away layers upon layers of, of false concepts that I had painted on that tapestry of my heart that had led me to think in certain directions and believe certain things. Now, I had already come to grips with the fact that I had a major problem in my life. Okay, I know. Not just one major problem. If I had only one, boy, my life, it'd be pretty good by now. But this one major problem that I had already started to come to grips with was, was the fact that I have always had this intense desire, this crazy need, this very unhealthy longing, maybe even compulsion to have to have others approve of me, to validate me. I wanted a purpose and significance in my life, and I needed others to validate or approve of me, or that significant purpose was always going to stay elusive. I knew I had this fear of rejection at the very core of who I was, but it had been hopeless to try to rid myself of it. After all, I had faced rejection. I had failed. I'd had people not believe in me, and for a long time, I didn't know why. So somehow, I always took it personally until that night. Well, let me start from the beginning. Let's go way back to the beginning, almost to the dawn of time, to Adam. You see... I blame all my problems on Adam. My problems with self-doubt began all the way back in the Garden of Eden when for the first time a man became self-aware of his own nakedness, his own shame, his own failure. And when God came walking in the garden calling out for Adam, that man, oh, that man who I am so much like, felt his failure and felt his shame and thought that he had displeased God so much that he not only covered himself, but he tried to hide from God. I mean, God, don't look at me. I'm not worthy. I'm evil. I'm bad. I'm corrupt. I'm shameful. I'm naked. And those feelings Adam felt so long ago became part of the DNA of every human being who's ever been born, save for one. And that sin gene that is passed down to all of us causes me to scream out in frustration that I'm not good enough, I can't measure up. Even as a Christian, even as a follower of Christ, I could not escape the grip of self-doubt and those feelings that Adam passed down to me. The best that I could do was hide them. Cover them like Adam covered his naked body. And if I covered myself good enough, then maybe I could fake it enough to convince others to accept me. Even love me. You see, in my life, like so many other Christians, and, and this is years ago, I start on this glorious road of Christianity. 
And oh, it's a beautiful road. One could even say it is a golden road leading to that magical final destination of heaven. The road is wide and full of people, all marching in their own lives, heading in their straight paths towards that wonderful city that lay out there right at the horizon. Now, don't confuse this wide road with the wide road that the Bible talks about when it talks about this wide road that leads to destruction and a narrow road that leads to heaven. That wide, ride, that wide road there talked about the, in the Bible was a superhighway. I mean, it was wide. In comparison, this road that we were on is a narrow road. But in hindsight, it's still pretty wide. And it's full of Christians. Now, as I said before, it's a beautiful road. Well built and surrounded on each side by tall, towering trees. And in the distance, there are glorious mountains, so rich and full of life and full of promise. So many people on this road going along, walking, marching, smiling. You know that eternal smile that seems to never come off of a face? As if it were a mask with a painted smile on it? Come to think of it, maybe we all were wearing masks. Oh, there are times when I want to wander off the road and hike among the trees. I love hiking in nature. And so I do sometimes. So do others. The draw of those things off the road seems so alluring that I sometimes just can't seem to help myself. I want to experience all those trees have to offer. I want to find purpose, significance, and validation in the forest because I can't find it on the road. That road that is so full of people all walking steadily in life towards the end. But you know, I can't stay wandering in the trees for very long. As fun as it is to lose myself in, its, in the beauty of the trees, I find that it does get lonely and even scary out there. As much as it seems that I can find that purpose and significance in the forest, I never do. Why? Because in the trees, there's no one else there. At least I can't see anyone because the trees are too thick. But here's this great thing about the road. I can't lose it. The sounds of all the people on the road going about their lives, going to church even, makes it where there always is a way for me to find my way back to the road. I can't get lost because I can always hear the noise of the road. Oh, that noise. Oh, it is loud. It's a cacophony of sounds that, that will make your head spin. And yet, it very rarely, truly makes any sense. It is so loud that sometimes I can't even hear myself think. But that's okay, because when I do try to think, I realize that on this road, as crowded and as beautiful as it might seem, I feel alone. The noise drowns out the feeling of being alone. But deep down, 
I know I'm alone. Alone. Surrounded by people. People consumed with their own journey of life. People consumed by the pressures of their job, their family, their success, or even their own personal goals. Everyone is so busy, including myself, that we don't have time to worry about anybody else. Just live our lives, do our thing, go to church, read our Bible sometimes, pray occasionally, but really get to know someone, get to know their hopes, their fears. <laughs> no, no, the road is no place for that. We are too busy walking to step into the circle with someone who is hurting. But that isn't really my fault. On the road, people are covering themselves. You know that old trick we learned from Adam? And we are all wearing masks to disguise what is really inside. I mean, I know I'm wearing a mask to hide that pain and that rejection that is with me always. Oh, sometimes I don't even know it's rejection I'm receiving, but I have this innate fear inside of me that that same fear that caused Adam to hide because he didn't want God to reject him. I have that same fear of rejection inside of me. So I keep walking down this road for, oh, I don't know, I, I, I don't know how long. It seems like all my life. Walking among thousands, but walking alone. But then the inevitable happens. I've seen it happen to others, but no, it could never happen to me. But it does. I don't know if it's something on the road or if it's due to the fact that I have just become exhausted on this journey, weary from well-doing, but for some reason, I stumble. I fall. And down I go the road scraping my body and my soul crying out in anguish from the pain of the fall. And I hit rock bottom in my life. And all who are on that road with me keep walking along. No one notices or cares. Some even step on me without even glancing down at me. Over and over, stepped on and walked over by all the people I had gone to church with. All those ones I had had the naivety to call my friends. No one reaches out to help me or even offer an encouraging word or, or God forbid, even tell me that they would pray for me. I have fallen and now in their eyes, they're self-focused, self-absorbed. I don't care about anyone else's eyes. I never even existed to them. And they walk on, walking on that beautiful road all marching to that glorious city on the horizon, all still wearing their masks. Well, I do cry out for help, but, but no one hears. Or if they do hear, they don't stop. They don't even slow down. They keep going to church. They keep singing. They keep appearing on the outside that they are very close to God. And I, do believe, I, I don't believe for a minute that, that they're all ignore me out of spite. It's not a malicious decision on their part. It is just the way of the road. On this road, life is supposed to be wonderful and we know it isn't, so we keep our eyes focused inwardly and don't even notice when someone else is hurting. 
Why would they notice? Because the life on the road is great. If you aren't great, then there's something wrong with you. And so once again, I realize there is something wrong with me. I mean, I shouldn't be hurting. I, I, I shouldn't have fallen. I shouldn't be confused or lonely or doubtful. I mean, I'm on the road. Everything is supposed to be great on the road. But for B, it's not. I am fallen and broken. And no one notices. No one cares. I, I lay there beaten down on the side of the road, truly all alone. I don't know how long I lay there alone, confused and, and helpless. All I know is that I'm alone and I've lost heart. But God. Oh, I love those two words. But God. You see, in, in His divine providence, God allows me to trip and fall at a point in my life so that while planting my face in the ground, I'm able to see that I had always been just like the rest of the people on the road. I had stepped over, around, and, and even on those who had fallen. And I had been too busy with my own life to stop and lend a hand to someone who had fallen. I had been just like everyone else. I had left people just like they have just left me to wither on the side of the road. But God, and I'm about to find out, has something better for me. Something better than this road. As I crawl off the road, getting away from the trampling, painful feet of those still stepping on me, I see a glimmer of sunlight reflect off an almost completely hidden sign, almost completely buried by the underbrush around the forest of trees. I squint my eyes, trying to make out the words. I think I can do it. Come, all who are weak and beaten down. Oh, that's me. And I strain to read the rest of the sign. And I will give you rest. Rest, yes, that's what I want. That's what I need. I mean, I am so beaten down. Oh God, I'm so beaten down. I thought the road was supposed to be easy. I thought on the road my burden was supposed to be light. But now as I crawl to my feet, still hearing the noise of the road behind me, I'm reminded of all those hurts, frustrations, heartaches, and trials that I faced while on the road. But I had squelched them. I hidden them. I had covered them. No one there could help me anyway. That was just my lot in life. But now I realize that I am at the point that I cannot go another step. But there is this sign that promises that there is a place where I can find rest and rejuvenation. Could this really be true? 
Is there something more to the Christian life than, than the road where all the other Christians are? I mean, all my Christian life, it was walk and toil and work and walk and march and, and keep on striving as we all make our way towards that wonderful city. And yet, this sign, this new sign that I see, says to come and rest. Is that allowed? Is God okay with that? I mean, doesn't he want me walking and marching and working? But, but somehow I know that he must be okay with it. He has to be. I don't have a choice. It has to be okay with, with God. God, I can't walk another step on this road. And I read the sign again. Come, all who are weak and beaten down, and I will give you rest. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. But with a new sense of hope and, and maybe even a bit of excitement, I step in the direction that the sign is pointing to, and I see it. Not too far away. Just down a very small path is a large, beautiful, fenced-in mansion of a house. And then in the middle of this beautiful fence is a large, polished gate with a sign above the gate, and, and it reads, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. <laughs> yes, that's it. I just feel in my heart that this is the place I need to be. This is the place I want to be. I want to love God. I know that is what He wants for me too. Yes, 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 yes. Love God. Love God. Love God. He will be so pleased with me if I just learn how to love Him better. On the road, I, I, I certainly didn't prove my love to Him. Maybe here I can. If I can only show Him and prove to Him that I love Him more, maybe then, maybe then, I will find my purpose and my significance in life. Yes, this is where I need to be. So I look through the gate and, and see the most beautiful landscape yard surrounding this great house, full of blooming flowers and plush trees everywhere, and the most immaculately kept garden I had ever seen. Welcome, a calm, quiet voice sounds from an elderly man as he opens the gate. Come enter into the joy of the Lord. I'm ready for that. I realize at that moment that I have had enough of the rat race of the road and the superficial life of Christianity that I had walked in on that road. That is why you are here, he says, as he begins pointing out the beauty of the land. I quickly notice that there are a lot of people in the yard. Oh, nothing like on the road, but there seems to be a lot of people here. But very little noise. After years on the busy road and its cacophony of noises drowning out my hurts and my pains, I kind of welcome the sound of silence. He tells me that this land is a place of spiritual healing. Well, I understand right away because I realize my soul, you know, that, that deepest part inside of me that I never acknowledged on the road. 
I mean, how could I? It was always too busy, too loud. So much just doing, doing, doing. But at that moment, I realized that my soul needs the quiet healing. Those great theologians, Simon and Garfunkel, must have had it right when they sang, and no one dared disturb the sound of silence. Well, the man goes on to point out the garden of prayer, telling me that to really learn to love the Father and and learn to accept His full love for me, I need to spend a lot of time in prayer. Well, for some reason, this really excites me. I feel my soul being drawn in, almost sucked in, in a good way. It's like, this is what deep down inside I really want. This is me. He also shows me another area of the yard just around the side of the house. It's raised above the yard, almost like a patio. There are tables and chairs set up and people are sitting in them and and reading and writing. I find out that this place is known as the foundation of the Word of God. It extends from the house but was actually poured before the rest of the house was built. It is here, I am told, that I will really learn how to put the Father's truths into my heart. While I will learn to really know how the Father sees me. Well, I find that this place also excites me because I know how people on the road see me. To them, I am useless, insignificant, and not really even missed now that I'm gone. And I also know that I've come to believe all those things about myself. I am worthless. I am useless. I am insignificant. I don't have a purpose. But if the Father sees me a different way, now, now that is good news that I want to experience. And I just bet that here in this place, everyone else will see me the same way that the Father sees me. God loves me unconditionally. I get that. But here in this place, I just know that others are going to love me unconditionally too. They, they won't care that I have failed so many times in my life. They're going to accept me because they know the love of the Father for them too. I just know that I'm going to love it here in the garden of prayer and in the foundation of the Word. And I find that I do. I live in the garden of prayer and on the foundation of the Word for, for, I don't know how long, a few years? Well, during this time, I find that not only do I learn to love the Father much more than I ever knew was possible, possible, but I also discover how much he truly loves me, and in his eyes, I do have significance. I do have a purpose. I am worthy because I am a child of the King, and I 100% buy into who the Father says I am, and that brings a new joy to my heart, a new strength, a new purpose. And the Garden of Prayer? Oh boy. The Garden of Prayer has become my favorite place. The time I spend here talking with the Father teaches me so much, and it renews my life continually. And then one day, I realized that the Garden of Prayer has actually given me a purpose in life. I am to commit to seriously praying for other people. 
Not generic prayers that sometimes don't really mean anything, but serious prayers that I know when God answers them. That's one of my purposes in life. So I want to share my purpose with others. I want to be involved with them. But I get strange responses from anyone I talk to. We're all busy here, they say, as if it's a rehearsed line that they've been taught to say from the time they were young. We are all busy here doing the work of the Lord. Yes, busy, busy, busy. May God bless you, brother, as you do the work for God. Stay busy. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. Stay busy, busy, busy. Keep working for the kingdom, brother. Keep it going. And I soon realized that this is actually a little bit like the road. Oh, the people here are, are different. And yes, the noise is not there. But here in the garden, everyone is in solitude. They are praying. They're studying the word. They're loving God. That's what I've been doing. Wasn't this supposed to bring me joy? Significance? But I find my purpose is not fully being realized in my life. Is, is being busy really doing anything? Does it give me significance? I mean, sure, I pray. But for some reason, my soul is restless thinking that, that there is more. I try to ignore that restlessness and, and just go on trying to fulfill my purpose. But I can't help but think something is missing. I mean, I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. But I am once again feeling empty. Where is the joy of the Lord that this place promises? Why is this not enough? What am I missing? It is then that I find my way back to the front door of the house. Why haven't I gone here and gone inside that door? I'm not even sure what is inside. I haven't even considered it before this moment. Before now, I'd always been content in the garden in the quiet, learning to accept God's love for me and, and growing in my love for Him. But now, now, for the first time, I, I peer through one of the large windows of the house. Well, there are more people inside, some of which I recognize from seeing them in the garden earlier, and I realize I haven't seen them for a while. But as I look in there, I, I'm amazed to see them truly enjoying themselves. They're laughing, they're talking, they're eating together. Some appear to be in meaningful conversation. I even see a few praying together. Well, this is so unlike on the road or, or even in the garden. Yes, there were scattered times where people in certain situations, like at church or at a Bible study or, or maybe in the hospital, that I saw people praying together. But I also know that those times were more superficial than real. Once prayed for, it was forgotten. Or in some cases, and, and I know this because not only did I experience it from other people, but I was it too. In most cases, we would tell someone we would pray for them, but then the busyness got in the way. Life just went on. We kept walking. And we never really prayed for them. But in the house, it 
looks like these people really do care for each other. I mean, I mean, look at them. Some are rejoicing with those who rejoice, and, and some are crying with those who are crying. And at this moment, I realize that, that this is what life is about. It's not just loving God and being loved by Him. There's more. And then I see it. The sign above the door. I'm not sure how I haven't seen it before. It's very clearly put there. I don't know. Maybe it's because before now I wasn't really ready to read it. I, I don't know. But I see it clearly now. And all of a sudden, as if from nowhere, like, like a surprising wind hitting me as I walk around the corner, I know that I must enter into the house. It is there that I will find what I'm looking for. And I read the sign above the door one more time as I put my hand on the doorknob. Love your neighbor. The joy of the Lord is not simply found in loving God, I realize, as I, as I take my next step to truly experience God's joy, that I have to learn to love others. So I open the door and step in. We will stop right there for the moment, but make sure to come back and listen to part two of this message, the road, the garden, the house, and the room. In part two, I'm going to focus on the house and the room, and I'm going to show you just what happens when we enter into the house of love your neighbor. The Christian life is not all about loving God with everything we have, but also loving our neighbor. And we'll find out about that in the house. Is this the place where I finally find that purpose and significance that I have been searching for? Or is there still something more out there? We'll find out in part two of this message. Hi, this is Steve Bittison. If you enjoyed this podcast or if God blessed you or taught you anything in it, I hope that you will subscribe to the Love First podcast and share it with your friends. That way you won't miss any of the upcoming teachings and messages and maybe you will help be a blessing to someone else.